Welcome everybody to XPod. Uh, this quick and dirty episode on the 4680 uh, update uh, production uh, of Cato Road. Um, this is about the chart uh, that's been published on Tesla Motors Club's uh, website a week ago, and we'll be going through it. How's everybody doing? Sawyer, Omar. Good. Yeah, I'm excited to go through this. I'm surprised that this was posted almost 10 days ago, but we, we only picked up on it until now. So. Yeah, Exciting times. Yeah, this is what I love about like the communities. Something can get posted at any time on the internet, and we'll find out about it sooner or later. Like this was actually a surprisingly long time. Normally, we would find out about it like five. Minutes. Yeah, the, the, and I, I I learned about it this morning uh, via Twitter, and I started then looking at replies of people and people making content on YouTube, and I thought. A lot of the takes I was seeing was not like very accurate, so I just wanted to like set the record straight as much as I could uh, on what those numbers means and what they represent. So uh, yeah, first of all, uh, the chart we're looking at it at right now is mostly like a yield chart. So for people like just to clarify, yield is like good cells versus bad cells. So if you're producing anything, you will have a certain percentage yield which is like in percentage, which is going to be like how many are good versus how many are bad. And the thing that's missing from this chart and other charts have it, but this one doesn't, is the throughput. And the important thing to remember is if you're making stuff slowly, like very carefully, your throughput will be very low, but your yield will be high, if that makes sense. And vice versa, if you're rushing to do stuff, Uh, your your throughput will be uh, will be high, but your yield will be low. And of course, the the objective anybody any manufacturing uh, company is trying to to achieve is high throughput with high yield. So there'll, there'll be some you lose sometimes on one to like fix something on the other. So if you're if you're having trouble with yield, then we'll go into the, the details of what the chart shows. But you got to understand, like, and you could also get like low throughput and low yield because you're trying something new and it's not like tuned in yet. So in this chart, um, if you look, uh, there's like basically uh, four quadrants we can talk about. So top uh, top left will be like the yield for that specific run that they did, like all combined. The bottom uh, bottom left will be the yield from each station. So we're in this particular graph, we're just talking one step in the whole manufacturing process of 4680. And this step is the winding. So this is where they create the jelly rolls, where they take a roll of anode, a roll of cathode, and two rolls of separators, And they basically roll them up really quick. And we, you've seen like in the making batteries video that Tesla released on their YouTube. And they roll it up and they put like two blue tapes at the end to like seal it. And that's basically the, the, the step we're looking at now. Just to put it into context, there's about a dozen steps that come after the winding to, to have a complete 4680 cell. And there's about half a dozen steps before winding Uh, that need to be done. So this is one among like about 18 manufacturing steps, which are all like measured in the same way this one is, which is basically like this one's just on yield, but I also mentioned throughput. So throughput, you can 
you, usually you talk about it in manufacturing in like parts per minute and yield, like I said, is a percentage of good versus bad. And it's done like via the testing of the, the cells. So basically, if you look at the bottom left, you'll see that uh, you have like uh, all the, the, the bar charts. Each one on the top has a number like 102, 103, 104. These are the winding stations. So station 102, you can see that uh, on that run, it did 373 cells that had a good yield. And this represents 91% of that station during that runtime. So you can easily, right there, you can calculate, like the, if you look at the second bar, they'll tell you because there's enough space in the yield. So station 103 did 295 cells, which were good, and 74 that were bad, which is like 20%. But you can basically calculate the throughput the relative throughput of each of these stations, and you'll notice that they're not the same at all. So if you look at station 104, you'll see that its yield, its good yield was 81 cells, and its bad was 22. So that station basically only did 103 cells during that whole run. And if you move like further, let's say to the, to the right, you'll see that station, like for example, 206, did 926 cells at a yield of 96%. So that means that the total, they did around 964 cells total for that run. And this is where I want you to understand that it's not that station, you know, 206 was running like super good and, and station 104 was running super bad and a lot of them were in between. They were running tests. Like agile hardware is implemented everywhere at Tesla. So the way I'm reading this is that they were running tests because it doesn't make sense. There's 14 stations right there and there's some of them are missing from, from that test. It's, um, it doesn't make sense to run all 14 in the same configuration uh, for, for a whole runtime. And for the runtime, okay, so so far, does that make sense? I don't want to. Someone get... also mentioned that they might have been doing training on one of the machines. Yeah. So, yeah. So, in, in the article, the ori original post, station two hundred and twelve, which has a yield of three good cells, and a total of seventeen cells for that runtime, they were basically like training people uh, from Austin. So basically, they were just like going through, you know, probably uh, what the breakages are and letting it run, maybe, and and they ended up doing only seventeen cells. 14 of which were not good, uh, and they basically moved along. So, but if you add all the numbers in the green bars uh, of these 14 stations, you'll see you'll get to 6,249, which is the number on the top left uh, quadrant chart, which is 6,249. So this adds up. But you'll also notice that you see you have station 102, 103, 104, but 105 and 106 are missing. Then you have 107, 108, 109, 110, and then you go to 203, 204, 205, 206. Then 207 is missing, 208, 209 is missing, 210, 211 is missing, 212. So not all the stations were up and running. And they're all working with like different uh, yields. Now for the throughput, um, it, it's, of course it's a guess because we don't have it. Usually they would tell you, like on the throughput chart, they would tell you how long the runtime was. Uh, if you do, if you speculate that this was like, for example, an eight-hour 
uh, run, then you get it about like two parts per minute per winding station. So each each station could give up to at a hundred percent throughput could give like two cells every minute. Uh, and this is based on the highest throughput because all these stations are basically the, the same winding station would just like set up differently. But if you take the line 206 at 926, which got a yield of 900, uh, 96%, and you do the reverse calculation, the, and you'll see that you get to 964. And if you divide that by eight hours and then by 60 minutes, you get two cells per minute. And if you do, for example, if this is a six-hour run, then you get like three cells per minute that it can achieve. But it's not trying to achieve this. You got to remember, Cato is, um, it's not an R&D facility because as Tesla mentioned at last earnings call, they don't have an R&D facility, but it's a production facility designed around R&D. So it's made to produce cells. It's inevitable that it will produce good cells, but its main purpose is to fine tune and innovate on the cell manufacturing, specifically the 4680. And okay, any any questions so far? Oh my, oh my God! Like, okay, so we got callers. I don't know. Um, you, this so. this actually reminded me of a maintenance cycle. Um, I we did coiling at Reynolds Aluminum. And so you have to coil up all those rolls. And sometimes we would pick about 10 machines in a line to test certain parameters and speeds and tensions because you get kind of like telescoping and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so we would go down and and each individual would try to test the line with different settings because every now and then you would get different thicknesses and it would cause the line to mess up. And you'd only do that like once, maybe every month or something like that. But the, the the picking of different select machines reminded me of testing because you don't you want to do a sample you don't want to do all your machines. Yeah, um, well, well, yeah, that that that's a good point. Uh, we'll get into like the top right uh, quadrant charts um, to to basically fine tune like the analysis. But so far, does does what I say make sense? Uh, I'm going to take the next caller, like Absolutely. George. Uh, you're always welcome back, George. Do you have a comment question so far? Okay, George maybe is asleep. We'll take Blake. I'm taking a ship. <laughs> Blake, are you are you there? Any comments or yep. questions so far? I'm here. So, if in my mind, um, if they are uh, like running, uh, in my mind, if. Um, they're training employees at Giga Texas to how to make 4680 cells and whatnot. My mind, that means they're decently close to attempting to ramp up and start producing 4680 cells at Giga Texas. So that was just my train of thought that, oh, it, it's another indication that stuff is starting to ramp up there. Yeah, we, we have many indications. Uh, Sawyer tweeted like a few months ago that Cato was massively hiring. So like doubling and tripling shifts, that was a good sign. Now that actually people have been hired in Austin and are doing like a training camp at Cato is also a good sign. Uh, and I can tell you that in the last, I think, four months, like the numbers are getting always better and better. Like I said, you, you always have to 
they're increasing throughput and looking at yields and yields will, will give you what the problems are. And so you fix them and you see if that new throughput, you can get better yields and you, you, you bump them up, uh, so on and so forth. So every time you bump the throughput, you'll, you're likely to find like new problems, which are like for any manufacturing process, when you bump the throughput, new stuff is going to pop up like on your radar as on as being problematic towards the yield but you keep going up and up and up yeah i mean i think at this point we know that the cato road line was created to basically test out what they're going to set up in berlin and austin now those cell lines aren't in production yet but we have seen permits filed for like the cathode line and we've seen some permitting work in berlin so they're obviously planning and moving along as fast as they can with the local cell production in those locations. But Cato Road is going to serve initially as kind of uh, the production facility for the initial batch of 4680 Model Y out of Texas until those cell production lines and the suppliers are up and running later on uh, this year in 2023. And I think it, Alex did a really good job at kind of explaining what we're looking at here. A lot of people were kind of uh, drawing the wrong conclusions. And it's important to remember, like, you know, we have somebody posting something on the Internet. Assuming this is real, this is like part of one day, right? Going to Cato Road because they gave us the they invited us to the cell uh, pilot line for battery day. So I remember where it was every once in a while when I'm in Fremont, I'll just go peek over there and. There are people working there 24-7, a lot of people. Like, I've been there when the shift changed. I recorded, like, a drone video once, and it's, like, it's it's bumping. This is, like, you know, the comparable amount of foot traffic, really, to kind of, like, any other part of the factory. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that the fact that they are only doing 4680Y in Texas, it says a lot. And the fact that they're adding these suppliers, even if something happened to Tesla's 4680 cell operation, the fact that they now have Panasonic and LG and these other production facilities also spinning up of their own uh, significantly de-risks the investments I think they've made in like 4680Y and structural pack. Because let's say, you know, worst case scenario, Tesla really can't ramp to the levels they need to they can have Panasonic fill in the slack and they can put those cells in the car without changing the basic art. Yeah. And, and I just want to like hammer in the fact that this is not like a Cato is not like an R and D facility in the, in the conventional sense uh, because you wouldn't need uh, like right now we see on this graph, there were 14 winding station and operations. There's probably uh, like probably more like uh, uh, around 24 of them. Uh, in, in total. So you wouldn't need that for an R&D center. You'd may, maybe need one or two winding stations. This is, no, because the way they, Tesla uh, does manufacturing uh, and basically innovates is in the manufacturing itself. This is all about like agile hardware development is you try different stuff and you come up with different solutions and you see which one works. So you can imagine that probably line 103 and 104 uh, were trying something different than line 206 and 208. And this is where I want to go into the, um, on the, the, the chart on the top right quadrant. 
So you'll see these are the defects that, you know, uh, they came up with. And if you can see, like, the, the number one is the flag folding in on the cathode. And if you, if you zoom in, uh, I, I know it's not all that clear, but you'll see that there's 93 cells, or 95, it's hard, I think maybe 95. 95 cells had a problem with flag folding in. Now, if you look at, if you go back to the chart where it's each station, you can see that all these problems could have come, like, mostly from line 103 and 104. They were testing something else with the flag fold-in, and maybe all of those, or most of those uh, defects came from these two lines. And that's be normal. If you try something new, it might work the first time, but usually it needs some fine-tuning. And this is where... Um, you know, I want to point out, I know I'm going to be jumping around, but if you go at the defects, the, the fourth from the bottom, you'll see it says vision flag fold anode. So I'm thinking they're maybe using some, they might be using some AI here and they're trying some new stuff on the flag fold operation. Uh, for those who don't remember, the... Um, the roles of anode and cathode, when, when they come in the winding, they're basically like a foil of copper for the cathode and a foil of uh, aluminum for the anode. They have the, the active material is spread on them and they have little flags, so they have little cuts on the side, but all the flags are in line with the foil. Now, once the jelly roll gets rolled up, these flags need to be like laid down in a like spiral pattern to, to basically then get the collectors for the anode and the cathode. So folding down the flags, they're very thin pieces of foil, and you need to be very careful with them. And it looks like, to me, if you look at the, the, the list of defects, they're trying different kind of stuff. So we can go through, uh, through the defects. You have the flag fold and cathode, which is number one on the chart. Then you have single wind cut position recovery on the cathode. Not exactly sure what that is. But it seems to be um, when, when they cut it, they need to recover to start the next roll. And there's probably the cathode has a little bit more, uh, more difficulty there. Then number three, you have flag fold and anode. So, and you can see it's almost double uh, half of what cathode is. So there's more trouble folding the flags of the cathode than the anode. Then you see then you have the fourth is single wind manually commanded by operator cathode. So this means that they're not only testing an automated thing, but now comparing it with if the operator does it manually. And you see both of both of them. So if single wind manually combined by operator, it gets like 0.7% versus uh, on the cathode versus 1.2% on uh, the cathode when it's automated. Then you have inner separator meander. That's basically when the, 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 the separator like uh, moves around. It's not like it stay, doesn't stay perfectly aligned where it's supposed to be. Uh, the edge meander of the cathode, same thing. That means like where the flags are. Uh, if it starts moving around, folding in and in w would cause a problem. So some of these problems are compounded. So uh, folding in the flags, if the flags are not all on the same plane, you'll, because the, the, the cathode meandered uh, left to right, you'll have trouble folding in. So some of these, but you can see like a lot of them is like 0.5%, 0.6%. Uh, 
Then we have like the vision flag fold anode. I don't know what that is, but seems uh, seems something AI related. Uh, a single wine cut um, position recovery anode. This was the same one as the second biggest problem for the cathode, but for the anode, seems to be a lot simpler. And then you have outer separator meander and outer seal tape missing. So that's the little blue tape, the two bands of blue tape. Like 20 of these cells, for some reason, did not get both of the sealing blue tape. So these are like very minor problems, but it shows you that they're probably testing different things on different winding stations. And this is how they fix these problems, is by testing things out and doing runs of six, eight hours, whatever, and then seeing, well, what works and what doesn't. So if, for example, the, the, the fold in the flags, the 95, it was a new thing that they were trying out, it doesn't mean that they're having problems with the fold in flags. You know? It just means that they might have tried something, for example, on machine 103 and 104, those two winding machines, uh, tried a different thing, and it just shit the bed on this run, and they're going to analyze it and see how they can make it better. And it's possible that if you look at line 206, which got 96% yield at a very high throughput, maybe those one was like one was missing the, the seal tape and one was, you know, uh, the, you know the, the problems might be like the, the yield, it's 4% on this one of bad, uh, of defects, but it could be spread out through like all these problems. Because th this goes like also like with the filter that's on the bottom uh, uh, right quadrant, you'll see the date. It's it's the day that uh, of that run, the twenty second, and then the uh, you'll see like the, the winders. It's all of them. The uh, winder state all part number all. So they put everything, uh, all the the defects that that could that are found. There may be more defects, but they weren't. You know, you can see that there's a scroll bar with the defects, but it only stops at like 20, which is 0.1%. But there are more than, than what's just there. But, you know, there might be like two cells that, you know, some other kind of problems that we're not seeing. So this, for, for me, is very good news, but it's not being interpreted as, as it should because people uh, think that this is just basically a lab and they're, you know, they're having big troubles and, you know, like machine one, 103 and 104 are all like fucked up. And maybe tomorrow if they run a test, then 206 will have the same bugs and produce very low cells and stuff like that. I don't believe that to be true. I believe that this is the running test on batches, not all their machine anyway. And they're seeing how far they can push them. And it's always about like, for example, I would like to see like, and, and with this interface would if I had access to it like live and I could, I could act, actually like change the parameters, I could basically see like select, okay, I want machine 104 that did only 81 cells and that had uh, 22 defects. I could see exactly which defects was there and we could probably reverse what they were trying to do there. And same things with each one of these machines, we could see where the defect lies. And this is what they're probably doing internally they're looking, we did this test, we, what, what numbers did we get? Did we do better than last time on this type of setup? Or is this type setup more promising to boost through, throughput even more? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
All right. Okay, did I kill the room? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I agree with you. Maybe we should talk about the um, the sort of statement from the TMC Post about the one million batteries sitting in a warehouse. Because I remember, I can't remember if it was in November, Alex, that you and I had held a room about the 4060s. And we had said that they were stockpiling them. We didn't know yeah. where, of course. Um, but to me, one million sounds low based on what you know we've learned over the last many months. Is that your conclusion too? Um, yeah, for me, for, uh, for first of all, like the one million big round number uh, is uh, right away, it's a little suspect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the fact is, is they've been doing these cells for, for a while now, of course. And, and, and you can extrapolate uh, easily. Like if you, if you take, uh, I, I won't like bore you with the math, but you, you have about like right now, uh, I'm guesstimating about uh, two um, per winding station. It's it's about like two cells per minute, and mm-hmm. I think it's between two and three. But let, let, let's take two. So uh, the winding stations uh, at their their current optimal setup that we've seen on this run, it could be higher. But it'd be weird that you know it that day was specifically good for a few stations, and they cannot never reach that number. So you have two times. Um, uh, 24 stations, so that's 48 cells uh, per minute times 60 times 24 times 365. So if they run that station, they can do about 25 million cells a year at their current run rate. Yeah. So I'd be very surprised that since battery day, uh, you know, they, they've only stockpiled a million good cells. Yeah, and a million would only be roughly, you know, 1,200 model-wise, structural model-wise. So, yeah, that seems low to me. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing to consider is I don't think they've necessarily just been putting cells on shelves. Like, we know that since before Battery Day, there were cars with 4680 structural packs, at least in prototype form. So they've been making cars with these cells for quite some time. And a lot of the cells are probably in cars. And as a matter of fact, uh, in Austin, you know, they've begun production of 4680 cars with structural pack. Now, they're not in full-scale volume production, but they're running some cars through the line, and they're looking at them and seeing if all the machines are working properly. And those cars have 4680 cells in them uh, and structural packs. And they're just sitting in Texas right now. And at some point, the goal is this quarter, they say they're, they're going to deliver them to customers. So, you know, even if you think that uh, that's going to be, you know, let's say they miss it and it's next quarter or something like that. That's an enormous milestone that really kind of give, suggests they have confidence in this. The other thing to note, I think, is that probably 60% of the volume is going to be LFP. And we have no problem getting that. So really, you need to make maybe 40% of the high-end version of the product. And the fact that they're going all in on that instead of having a you know, 2170 production process in Austin suggests that whatever is going on, they're confident they can do Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And um, the, the the thing is, it, it's it's always like, 
the the winding is a is a bit of a a weird uh, step because it's the only way you can go at it faster is basically by winding faster. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense because you have one spool of cathode, one spool of anode, and two spools of separator, and you know you can't make two of them at the same time from these same spools. You know, it's not like you can you know uh, split them up and do like two at a time. So the only way for the throughput to go uh, go higher on the winding is going faster or adding more winders. So does that make sense? Whereas if you're, uh, for example, um, the w when you're laying down the active material on the foil, you can do basically the way they did the pilot line, which was basically uh, four foils uh, for... Um, One, one roll of foil, but that generates like four batteries. And then you go to the Roadrunner, which goes to 16. So the foil is much larger. So uh, for every meter that the, the thing goes into the machine, you're basically doing for 16 cells instead of four. So in, in that sense, uh, as, as the production, um, as they go to the Roadrunner, which is uh, 16 wide, um, you're going to need to add more winders or make the winders go faster. And this is where like the calibration of, well, how many Roadrunner lines do we have that basically lay down active materials 16 wide and how many winders, what's the throughput that we can pass them through in the winding stage so that it, um, you know, it matches. You don't, well, you probably want to do the coding Uh, the throughput of the coating to always have stockpiles so the winders don't run out of material, but you still want to balance it out. And, and then the the other steps also are are very like constrained. You can't like weld the collectors on the cells like more than one at a time per chamber per weld chamber. So all these things have to be balanced out. But I, I can tell you that the um, the winding step, uh, you know, I told you there's a dozen steps after that. Uh, after the winding that come through those steps are very and have been for for a while like close to 100% yield they have very little um, problems mm -hmm. so the the throughput uh, w was never like um, very high because the limiting factor was like the winding but their yield was always very close if not 100% So uh, it's the, the winding was where, you know, you, you have these four layers that need to be rolled and you want to do it as quickly as possible, but you don't want to uh, basically have, have defects there because then this, the, the jelly roll gets rejected right there. And it could have been a good jelly roll if the, if the you know, you'd cut down on the speed. So they've been working a lot on the winding to fix the, to, to be able to ramp the throughput without you know, and making the yield better as they ramp. Um, but yeah, the, these things, you know, the winders, they're not, you know, we've all seen the video. It's just basically a cabinet that has like the four spools that are pre-tensioned and tensioned. And then it comes to the, the rolling mandrel and then it, you know, spools like really fast and boom, it's done. And it does the second one and, and, and so on and so forth. But it cannot, you, you cannot multiply these aside increase the throughput without going winding faster or adding more winders so this is why we have so many winders just in this test we i think we have 14 uh in this test whereas 
the Roadrunner lines, there's probably not 14 of them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how quickly Austin can sort of spool up whenever that comes online. Yes, and it's it's not impossible that um, they could bring uh, foils from Cato to be wound and do the the other steps at Austin. There's also that flexibility where you, you don't need to do the whole process in one building. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they could coat and bring the rolls of anode and cathode material ready to like just plug into winders uh, at, at Austin and basically, you know, do that. So if, if the, the coating is, do, is going well and they just like low on winders because Cato is like pretty small compared to Austin and you could basically stack lots of winders at Austin to basically just roll the thing and then like weld the, the thing and insert into the roll and all the, the other 12 steps. Yep. So we got questions. Let's see. Guy, you're up. Guy, you have a question, comment? <laughs> okay. Hello, is... hello, hello? Yes, yes. Okay, sorry. I was on mute. Uh, just a quick question. Thank you for the info, by the way. Circling back to the 25 million estimates you did on um, say sales inventory when you compared that to the 1 million uh, big round number earlier. Well, hold on. Like, uh, just to be clear, one was uh, somebody said in that in that post yeah, yeah, yeah. that there was one million stockpile somewhere of good finished yeah. cells, and I was saying yeah. that the run rate, if we're taking like the highest running station that we have today, okay. and we say that okay, this the setup of this machine can be replicated on all the other machines, then we could have uh, close to twenty five million cells of run rate today. Okay, so that was exactly my question. I was wondering if you were making the average of all the stations or you were taking, let's say... No, I was taking the top one. Yeah, the top one and saying that if they've achieved this, that means, and like I said, if if it's an uh, eight-hour run, then the throughput would be like two parts per minute. And then if you say you can average that on all the machines, two, uh, two jelly rolls per minute then you just multiply. And of course, it's it's probably doesn't work 24-7, 365 days a year. But, you know, just yeah. to make it easy, multiply by 60, multiply by 24, multiply by 365, and you get about 25 million cells, uh, which okay. is good for uh, like like 30,000 vehicles. I think it fills eight cells at a time. You know, you can, you, you know, you can make a bigger turret or make it, you know, turn faster, or you can add another turret. You have many options to uh, increase the throughput, let's say, of the cell electrolyte filling. But for the winding, it's only make it wind faster or add winders. Okay, great. Thank you. Cool. Uh, next up, Lorenzo. Lorenzo, you're up. Going once. Nope. So we'll go with Hugh. Hugh, you're up. Hey, guys. 
reading a sign from signage from the Berlin factory that says we apply advanced tech to produce more than one million cells per day. So, we, so how many are you expecting to come out of Austin per day? One million cells per day out of Berlin? Correct. Is that what you said? Correct. Alex, if I remember correctly, we held a clubhouse two-ish, or a call on two-ish months ago. I think the initial out or planned output is 500,000. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. So, yeah, 500,000 structural 4680 cars. Yeah, for like the initial rollout plan that we heard for Austin was for 500 vehicles with 4680 st- structural packs. So if if you go uh, 500,000, and this is of course per year, so let's multiply by the number of cells. Is that 960 or? No, it's not 960. What is uh, it? Uh, so that yeah, so that'll be a one point one six one point one seven million per day. But of course, this is not like just to be clear. There's they're not going to flip a switch one day, and there's going to be one point one million cells a day <laughs> yeah. coming out of Austin. It's always ramping. Yeah. Same as production is always ramping. The, the initial part of Texas is for five hundred thousand vehicles with structural packs. And they're, they've ordered and they'll be installing the material to produce that volume of cell, that capacity to make that, those number of cars. But I'm pretty sure they're not going to install all the winders all at once. Why would you to do this kind of capacity? Uh, does that make sense, Hugh? Yeah, it does. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Yeah, they're constantly working on making it run faster and... They're running it as fast as they can, and they're saying, okay, if we run it faster than this, there's some problem where sometimes the tab doesn't stick on. So let's solve that. Then they have the engineers work, and then they solve that problem, and then they say, okay, we can make this machine run faster now. And they're just doing this iteratively over and over and over again, like you've got a manufacturing uh, S-curve. And when they get over the hump of that, we're going to have more cells than we've really even know what to do with they may even start selling some of these cells to other companies if they really hit like the 200 gigawatt hour long-term target for each of these facilities yeah i i don't know about selling to to other people but because their demand will keep increasing but yeah this is like a ramp and it's it's uh like i said it's it's a very it's probably very challenging on the manufacturing side like i said like because Let's say you fix and you you you, you increase the throughput and of, with good yield of your um, your collector uh, uh, like when you lay down the, the active material onto the foil, then you have shit ton of foil. But that foil is only good if it's rolled in a jelly roll. So then you have to balance that out with how many winders can take the capacity, your new capacity and your new throughput of your. Um, uh, your foil making process and so on and so forth. So initially I'm thinking this is why the ramp and this is why Cato Rota is like such a gold mine of information is because they can test this out on a relatively small scale, but still do the, the rapid iteration that uh, Tesla is well known for. And that is so 
in the end is so like profitable for Tesla, both in in output, but also in, uh, in on the engineering side, because that's how they solve problems so rapidly is because engineers can actually mess with like a pair of winders and say, well, you know, we have this problem. We have like this reject of 2% on average of this problem. Well, let's try something different on this one and let's do a run and let's see what happens and let's analyze it and we'll see if, if this is a solution or part of a solution or it's a dumb idea and we just scrap it and we never talk about it again. And, you know, and this is where the value of Cato, I think, is, is tremendous. It's not on its actual manufacturing capacity at the end of the day. That will be at Austin. That will be at Berlin. That will be like dedicated manufacturing facilities. Uh, Cato is this treasure trove of engineering and manufacturing engineering specifically. Ricky. Yeah, um, I'm actually kind of interested in the defects. Like uh, they, these, a lot of data points on all these different defects, and I'm I, I'm assuming they're caught in real time by the cameras or something like that. And uh, in the breakdown of your video, did you ever see a point where they would be kicked out, or do you think it would be kicked out at the end of the process or in between each process? Um. Well, like um. Like I'm like, not sure. Like for example, let's say like the 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 blue tape. You can yeah. understand that a camera could spot right away that you know there's supposed to be two blue lines on the white background of the jelly roll, and if one or both or whatever is missing, like a camera system could immediately like pick it up and just like chuck it. Um, uh, on the meandering of like the separator, uh, I don't know. Maybe it is real time where it's actually checking the way it's laid. Or it's maybe afterwards that it, you know, it gets x-rayed and they can see the meandering. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know if this is like real-time data in the sense that, like, the, of course, like, the throughput, the, they'll know, uh, like, how many each, each station, each winder, how many jelly roll it wound. But is there an analysis afterwards to pick up on you know the, the the defects which gets added this is like from january uh 1st uh 22nd of january and the post was february 4th so there's still like uh a week and a half between we got the post and the time it was ran so i don't know maybe it's it's real time maybe it's not okay i, I mean I would imagine that they would have to take a sample of the batteries and physics and manually examine them, but you couldn't do that with every battery and break down every battery. And when you look at like the picture and it's saying it's got the filter for all, I, I mean, that makes me think that it's catching this in the process because they don't want any of these defects in, to end up in a battery pack. That, well, just, wouldn't you be able to spot like the air during the cell formation process? Yes, but they, they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't put those cells all the way to the end of the process, probably. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. I, I'm just. I'm. I've seen how fast some of these spooler machines can run, and I find that really impressive because we had a really hard time with that. You would end up throwing away a whole batch on the assumption that you had a bad sample, and of course that was 15 years ago. But still, um, I, I part of me wants to believe that they. They have a process for catching the cell in the action. Yeah, it, it also makes sense that you wouldn't want to go to the next step with a product that's already 
that you can already detect as defective because then you would just compound like for example if you put a bad uh, spool of cathode you know that's defective into a winder then you would get a hundred percent reject rate out of that maybe it would do the winding perfectly but if let's say there's the cathode is uh, the the active material has creases in it well it would all be bad but then you would you know you wouldn't know until the end and then you would say oh well this was a reject rate from the first step so you probably want to inspect it as it goes but like i said some things i'm not sure if they can like capture it in real time and basically like once it's rolled it says well this one you know the flags are folded all crooked so this is a reject of a uh, flag folding on the cathode side like they, they probably could but i don't know how they they implement that exactly that that's what i mean but yeah, it does I'm just make thinking sense about to... I'm, i mean i'm thinking about fsd and them catching photons i mean they're sitting here specializing in, in cameras well yeah the, the, and there's that <laughs> hint there's that hint vision yeah. flag fold anode like yeah exactly uh, i might be reading that wrong but the other one is like flag uh fold in and then there's vision flag fold and anode specifically for the anode so what does that mean vision uh i'm thinking they could be implemented something that you know the the folding is being done adaptively uh and maybe if the 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 flags aren't like perfect but it it's 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 adapting to it to fold them still correctly And again, like all these things that they don't tell you, maybe the vision flag uh, fold was basically only on maybe three or four of the, the winders and not the other ones. And this is where it would be interesting to have that interface to be able to interact with it because then we could say, well, show me just the vision flag fold and we can see on how many stations that was there. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, and like the four, like on um, the two, uh, two, uh, yeah, two twelve, the one that is claimed to be for training, we could see what happened. We could see, okay, show me just the errors for that station. What, what were they doing, and why were why were those fourteen cells rejected? What was the the main cause? And then we could go to the one that had the super high throughput of nine hundred and sixty something, and then say, well, what happened there? What was the most common thing? And yeah, it's so it, it it's hard to read into it. We don't have first of all the throughput because we don't know how long this run lasted. Was it six? Was it eight? Was it twelve? We don't know how long it lasted. But then and again, it, the picture, the snapshot we have there, we don't know what kind of test they were running, and how each station was probably getting different defects because it was running. You, you can see it's it's all these stations were running at a different throughput. Because they they probably lasted the, for the whole test, and maybe not even for the whole test. Maybe like the training one did not do the full eight hours. Maybe it just did like a three hour type thing, and then it turned off, and it didn't wind any anymore. Yeah, and they had to do maintenance on it or something to correct it. Yeah, and they 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 chose you know to took it apart to show like the crew from Austin, uh, you know what's it all about and what's the most likely things and everything. So, like I said, it's very hard to infer stuff from this. Aside from, you know, looking at the highest one with the yield and saying that's darn good for one of the hardest steps in the manufacturing process. Like the 12 steps that come after it, like I said, are already like yield close to 100%. 
and the the steps before uh, a lot of them are not complicated. The only one that's really really complicated is the laying down of the active material on the foil. So this is either the second or the hardest step. Second hardest or the hardest. And we're already getting good numbers. Yeah, that's awesome. Asor, did uh, you still taking your your delivery of your Model Y in March? No. So what happened was um, once the, yeah, Elon tweeted out that uh, the FSD was going to increase by two grand, and then uh, we realized that the forty six eighty Ys weren't going to start coming out until earliest end of this quarter. I said, "Screw it! I'll just order another Model Y." And uh, you know, I put I had put a hold or like a ninety or seventy day hold. I can't remember how long it was. But uh, Tesla sent me a notice, like, after 30 days that you either, you know, say I'm ready in your account by, like, a week from now or we'll cancel your order. So I just said, all right, screw it. Yeah, so I just said, screw it. I'll just order another one. Yeah. Yeah, I had mine on hold for about 60 days, and it's at the end of March now. Yep. Yeah. This is not a good thing, people waiting for 4680. Just take delivery of your fucking cars. <laughs> no, I, I, I had originally put it on hold for a different reason, and, and, and I'm taking the order. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. It's getting close now. You know, I think, you know, there are a lot of people in our community. We're all, like, sort of super Tesla nerds. So there's this notion that, like, tons of people are delaying for the 4680Y. But really, I think most people probably aren't. They're probably, they probably don't even care. <laughs> I, for us, me, I would love to have the 4680, but I'm still going to take my car because I want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like we were commenting, Sawyer, earlier about the tweet that uh, Elon put out about the plaid pack being like next level, but the structural pack being like beyond next level or something like that, that, you know, people are, are reading into that, that it's going to be, you know, worth waiting and delaying their taking delivery of their cars. Um, yeah, from an engineering perspective, but you're never going to see the inside of your pack anyway. So, yeah. you know, my, my theory is the, go ahead. Omar. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I kind of want a 4680 Y with structural pack, but I don't necessarily want to be the first guy to get it. <laughs> um, you know, the 2170 system, it works. Like I've been driving this thing for years. I had a 2018, I got the 2021 now. It works great. It does everything I need it to do. You know, there's something to be said for the fact that uh, it works. And the 4680 stuff, uh, you know, there's always some hiccups introducing new stuff. They're going to get it down, I'm sure. But, you know, I'm happy waiting until I can actually see what the specs are <laughs> and all that stuff in order, you know, whatever they act. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine the range and all that at least will be advertised as the same right out of the gate. And then maybe later down the line, they'll offer some sort of paid upgrade to unlock more range just to make it fair for all the people that kept getting 2171s. Just say, you know, maybe they'd say, okay, well, you know, for two to $4,000, you can unlock this many miles of range if you have a 4680Y. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they handle yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that's one way they could do it. And then especially if maybe they wanted to limit the batteries to, like, assess their safety, that would be another way to do that. And then you could have, like, a free or paid unlock. There's a few ways they could do it to manage this problem because as we've kind of seen suggested from the numbers, it's going to be maybe potentially a little bit harder to make the 4680 uh, Y in Austin because obviously the factory's new. It's still ramping. 
you have the cell lines which are also ramping either of those constraints could stop it and so there's going to be very few texas widening compared to the amount of fremont shanghai uh y so the key for tesla really is they've built a business now selling the fremont shanghai y so how do you preserve that keep that coming in while also introducing this next generation product um and you know it's gonna probably look the same you know, interior and exterior, there's going to be very little indication probably because of this factor. Um, But it'll be really interesting to see how exactly they manage this and what they put out. It it might make sense to just put out a product with similar specs at first, just so that you can handle this Osborning thing until you get the new process ramped and all of What was the actual statement like the end of the first quarter is when they plan on delivering from Texas, correct? Yeah. Well, it was after it was during the conference call, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The day before, I was one of the people that took my car off hold in January, and they had set the delivery date for early February. I didn't move it to March. The day after the conference call, it moved to the end of March. Model yeah, I've got a lot of messages something. from people saying similar things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Either way, I'm happy. But um, my wife's already threatening me that I better not take the car apart, and um, I'm probably <laughs> going to do it while she's gone. <laughs> yeah, I think if you if you take the the structural battery pack apart, no, yeah, not that. It, it, I'm ta- it's no I, good. I, I could probably get to the front end casting at least and, and see that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's re- relatively easy. But the the packets, it's all going to be all glued up. It's not made to be opened like the other ones, even though the other ones aren't designed to be opened anyway, but this one's even less. Yeah. We'll get that. Yeah. So are there any more questions, comments, any other topics, any news, breaking news, Sawyer? Oh, <laughs> I think we so. got Frank. Frank, you're up. Hey guys, um, I guess quick question would be, what do you think, I think uh, Omar just touched on it, but what do you think the strategy is going to be around that Osborne effect of the Texas Model Ys being, you know, more efficient, potentially even like faster vehicles? In my head, I think they're going to have to like increase pricing, maybe be like two, 2,500 bucks on the website for like a Model Y from Texas, because if it, if it's as good as they think it's going to be, I feel like the effects are going to be more than just under the hood, right? Like, what do y'all think about that? I think it's mostly software. Like, how how fast, you know, like, your your current state of charge that's giving you, like, um, in your Tesla is software-driven. It's, it's not a real 100% or 0% or 5%. It's all software-driven. Same thing for, for the speed, you know, how much the, the, how fast it can go is basically limited all by software. So there's no reason they can, they couldn't put all this new tech in your Acceleration. Have it, yeah, and no, but have it exactly the same performance characteristic as a 2170 Model Y that doesn't have a structural pack. And I think this is, uh, I, I think Omar nailed it on that. I think it's, it's, it's basically initially going to have to be that 
and it, it it's going to serve like many things. It's going to prevent like the the Osborne effect. It's going to also like for safety wise, basically getting uh, millions of real world miles on the the structural pack with you know climate and different things. Be able to test it out and have lots of data on that. And eventually, when all the other ones are going to come online and the new product offering. Uh, independent of where it's manufactured has the same characteristic, they'll be able to then boost it and say, well, you know, starting from this day, the all the Model Ys have this new range or this much more acceleration or this much whatever. I think that's the simplest path to solving everything altogether. So you're saying even with the older battery packs, they're still going to be able to continue with the software updates. So like potentially they're even holding back on software updates now on the current battery packs that they'll be able to leverage with the 4680s down the line. They're just sandbagging everything. Uh, no, not necessarily. Like the, they might be at the peak performance of the 2170s, but they're going to limit 4680s to match that performance until they can make them all 4680s. And then they'll say, well, the Model Y, you know, and, and they never, and they don't even announce it. You know, it's basically like Sawyer like keeps track of, oh my God, there's more range. They changed the website. So now if you order a Model Y today, you have more range. Yeah, it's just like a Trojan horse that could potentially piss some people off down the line. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to mean much. Well, um, no, like the, the thing is, if you don't, unlock anything not even like what Sawyer was suggesting of you know like down the line if you pay two grand you get more range uh let's say we remove all that from the equation all the the model y's from austin with 4680s could be software limited forever until all the model y's are structural 4680 packs yeah, but during that time, they're starting to pump out 4680Ys. They're still making 2170Ys. So yeah, if you and they'll all be limited. And it's like you, you, you paid for the specs that were on the website. And so you were willing like, to pay that. So you're not expecting anything more than that. So down the line, you're saying some 4680s would be limited, but some wouldn't? No, at some one day, like when Fremont and Shanghai and Berlin and all the Model Ys are 4680 structural packs the website is going to change. Or let's say initially, like the US model maybe, will be like, okay, now it's all 4680, so now the website's going to change on the order page and it's going to get like 15% more range. Yeah, but what There's if you're not going to be any news of why it's 15% well, more you range? Know, I, I thought a lot about this and there's basically two things they can do to avoid Osborning themselves. And again, I don't think this is too much of a serious concern because... Um, there's so much demand right now that they can honestly, this is a time where they can afford to Osborne themselves. But, (laughs) but uh, you know, there's basically only two strategies. There's what Alex described, which is make the vehicles indistinguishable from each other. So that if you have anyone in this room and they're trying to convince their mom or their uncle, why they should get the 4680 model Y instead of the 2170, they cannot, for the life of them, explain one difference. Okay, well, the exterior, it looks the same? Yeah. The interior, it looks the same? Yeah. Okay, the range, it's the same? Yeah. The acceleration, it's the same? Yeah. And, you know, maybe, obviously, the pack is lighter. So, you know, if you tried to target the same range and you have a limited number of cells produced at first, you've got two benefits. Number one, 
you have a situation where you're not Osborning yourself because the range is the same. And number two, if you have a limited amount of cells, you can actually produce more cells. So if you kind of like want to target the same range and then maybe, you know, the car actually has the capability to accelerate a little bit more or, you know, maybe has some more headway. But again, these things are all in software, right? Like the acceleration point of the car is chosen based on a combination of factors. You could have a little more acceleration, but then your range would go down. So they try and find a sweet spot on their products. And we already know that you can buy an acceleration boost for 2000. They already have all this infrastructure in place. They've been doing it already. They could do it and customers wouldn't even notice anything different. Now, the danger is, you know, maybe some customers will say, okay, why doesn't my, you know, why have this acceleration boost available? These other guys do, or this range boost you can buy. But if you made it paid, uh, that could potentially uh, mitigate some of that. So that's one thing they could do. The other thing they could do is they could make a $80,000, $100,000 Model Y plaid, and it's got 400, 500 miles, and it's got faster acceleration, it's a performance, it's got, you know, more range than the long range, and they make that super expensive, and they make it kind of a higher price trim. And then, presumably, people would buy the existing 2170 Model Y because it was 50000 instead of 80000 or something like that, and then as they ramped it, you know, they could maybe work down the product line or something like that. So, that it's really one of the two options, and I think it's telling that they haven't said anything. Right, because if it was just as simple as like it's going to be the same. Why haven't they said it? You know, so what's going on here, really? I don't think we know. But if they say they're going to deliver cars before the end of this quarter, that must mean they're at least going to tell us what's going on before the end of the quarter, and they know that we know that something's up, and that we're trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but we're it's only a, matter of like time. Like a super small minority. Like, like most people don't even know about any of this stuff. Like, uh, you know, it's like a lot of the customers that buy don't even know, like, what's the options. Uh, I remember, like, one girl, like, uh, last year bought a, for her, for her birthday, a Tesla. And she's, like, at MIT uh, doing her PhD on machine learning. And she didn't even know about FSD and that it might come as a subscription. She just didn't buy it, you know. And, but she didn't know any details about it. So I, I, I think us nerds, like, looking at all this, these things, we're, like, a very, very, very small fraction of the, the consumers. And I think for the consumers and for Tesla, the simplicity, for me at least, it feels like, yes, if you have a brand new model, like a different category that is, like, overpriced, uh like a higher price because it's premium this and premium that they're still not going to sell you the batteries and the structural pack. They're going to sell you the performance, the specs and everything. But then that brings into the problem that then your run of the mill car that also has 4680s will have the same type of performance capability as the, you know, and for lower price. So then you're pissing off the people that buy the higher priced one because then like the standard range one or the long range one has the same performance characteristic, at least possibly the same performance characteristics. So I think the the easiest thing for Tesla, because they're going eventually to be all structural packs, all the cars, all 4680s, unless maybe the, the LFP ones, 
they don't want to like differentiate. And they're just going to say, a little bit like the Plaid. Remember everybody was saying, oh, Plaid has 4680. It must have 4680s. And it turned out it wasn't even 2170s. It was 18650s. <laughs> but, you know, people ask bluntly at Plaid event, and they didn't answer. They just gave a smile. You know, it's, it's almost like it's none of your business what kind of cell is in your pack. You're, you're buying the specs. You're not buying the, the parts. And I think yeah, that's I think... the easiest way forward for them. It's just basically like it's the same car and uh, maybe 2170 has a little bit more juice to give and they'll upgrade both 4680 and 2170s and th there'll be a smooth transition where everybody gets the same thing and at some point they're all 4680s and there's going to be a boost, but it's going to be for models for all models after this year. If you ordered from that day forward, you get, you know, a car that has 15% or 10% more range or something like that. And this is what we're used to with Tesla without even changing the form factor of the batteries. There's been some increase, but not everybody gets that all the time. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you know, I think they could afford to have people, tons of people cancel their orders and it'd absolutely be fine. I mean, wait times for a long range phase are already like a year. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But we'll see. Oh, shit. There's lots of people. Okay, taking next. No problem. Frank, happy. You're up. Happy. Yeah, see, I'll do that. There, right. okay. Quick question. So, um, on Monroe, when they did the teardown of the Plaid um, Model S, they when they were taking the pack apart, they noticed that there was a, a fire retardant. Um, I guess they called it Mylar, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, uh, it's mica, mica. That 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 was additional weight on the on the pack. So the question here is, is that if the forty eight forty six eighties would have that as well, that would take a little bit of the you know additional weight, which would take the uh, you know a little bit of the um, I don't want to say performance, but for, from the you know for, from the from this uh, this uh, distance again, drive and because of the weight and everything else, so it it will be better, of course, than the the current battery configuration. But it will still uh, because they're adding more uh, protections to it that won't be as as different as we are thinking. Maybe um, I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Um, uh, for for the reason that. The 4680 is not designed the same way as an 18650, where the, um, the, the way they're connected, the 18650s, they're connected on the top of the cell where you have the nipple anode and the periphery, the cathode. And the safety feature, uh, the venting, is at, on the same side, whereas for the 4680, it's on the opposite side. Um, okay. Does that make sense? No, that, that makes sense. But then, uh, but the one thing that Monroe did say was that uh, some of the um, countries are requiring the additional. Um, yeah, yeah. The the mica sheet, and it, first of all, it's not that heavy. The the mica sheet, but there's also the fact that uh, 
the safety might be like if the venting happens towards the cabin where the passengers are, you need a mica sheet. It could be something like that. Whereas if the venting, like for the 2170s and the 4680s, is happening through the bottom, so towards the road, you might not need a mica sheet. Because why would you put a mica sheet if, if it blows out, it blows out you know, towards the road and not towards the passengers? Do you, you see the difference? Yeah, absolutely. So the, it's very possible that there's no mica sheet for uh, the 2170s and uh, the way they're currently, because uh, if you know, like right now, a pack, a 2170 pack, if you look at the module, it's basically upside down. It's hanging upside down inside the pack. So the connections, the electrical connection, the uh, collectors are on the bottom And this is where also the safety feature is, the venting. And there's an air gap uh, between the, the, the cell and the bottom of the pack. And then it's the road. So you would actually want it to vent there. Whereas in the 18650s, they're all pointing upwards where they're connected. And they're, um, so they're pointing towards the, the inside of the cab. And this is maybe where, you know, the mica sheet has been made a requirement in some countries. Again, this is speculation, but whether there is a mica sheet or not, it's not, it's not going to influence performance. I, I, I don't see it, if, especially if you look at plaid and the performance it's getting. It's not like a kilo or something of, of mica that's going to change anything there. He said something 58 um, kilograms? No. 58? No, that's no. impossible. It, it, it was something in the 58. I don't remember what... Um, or something. And it was a two-digit number. I don't remember exactly, but it's been a while since I watched the video. Okay, well, I, have to, I have to look at it again, but I, I seriously doubt it's 58 kilos of mica. Because that's a shit ton of mica. <laughs> and I, you can see the sheet. It's like, it's not paper thin, but it's thinner than cardboard. Yeah. Uh, corrugated cardboard. So, yeah. I'd have to look at that again. Okay, thank you. No problem. Tom, you're up. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this idea of do we know for certain that Austin will not produce 2170Ys? Like, obviously, we know they'll produce 4680Ys. And, you know, I was sort of thinking about this more and, and looking back at at the last earnings call and, you know, Drew talked about how uh, cell supply from the suppliers meets all their needs and Ford City yes. really is not a limiting constraint. So either they have a huge backlog, uh, a huge inventory of 4680 available, or they could be producing 2170 in Austin. I was just curious about that. They're not that. making 2170 Model Y in Austin. And, You can see this a few ways. You can see it in the earnings release, for example. They say, these first Model Y we're producing will be 2170 in Berlin. And they didn't say the same for Austin. And when we, me and Gary were having, uh, were, were talking to someone from Tesla IR, Martin Vietra, and he was basically reiterating the same thing. He said, well, Berlin is more ready to manufacture, but we don't have the permits. And Austin is more ready on the permitting side, but we're doing the 4680 and structural pack there. 
So that's potentially a complication that makes it, you know, less manufacturing ready, all the new stuff there. So, yeah, I don't think they're making 2170 Model Y in Austin. I don't think they ever plan to. Yeah, I would agree with that. They're not going to have, as you saw in the earnings slide deck, they had photos of uh, Austin employees putting together a structural Model Y pack or, you know, in, on the assembly line to a degree. So they're not going to have, you know, a 4680 line and then a 2170 line at the factory. I think Tesla's made it pretty clear that they're just going to do 4680. You're really the, talking about a different set of machines, um, yeah. you know, a different process. They're not going to have those in parallel if they can avoid. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes total sense. And, you know, it might be evidence that they have a bigger uh, supply of 4680s available than... You know what I think you're going to see? (laughs) What was talked? I don't think you're... I don't think it necessarily suggests that. I think what you're going to see is they're going to put CATL's LFP technology in a structural pack. And they hinted at this at Battery Day. And I wouldn't be surprised if they made that in Austin. So they had kind of like... The CATL LFP Model Y, which has in basically all the capacity they need, and with a structural pack, and also they're going to put the pure silicon anodes in the LFP cells as well. So, like, they're taking some of the innovations really from the battery day that they outlined of putting them into the CATL LFP technology as well. And so, that I think is going to give you maybe at least 300 ish miles. For a standard range uh, Model Y or more, which is like pretty good. That used to be like what the long range was. And then, you know, the long range would be even more than that. So I think the LFP is really going to carry the weight. And we're really kind of looking so much at the 4680. But what 4680 is really about is making extremely high range vehicles affordable, like a 500 mile Cybertruck or like an extremely long-range Model Y. That's what really that product is for. And for their standard-range products, like 60%, 63% of the cars they delivered this year are going to be LFP. I th- hmm, interesting take. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that because it's either, when if Drew says that 4680 will not limit any production today then it's either they have a very large backlog or they'll be using a different uh you know a a different uh form factor alongside 4680 in austin and then the other thing that's important to understand is panasonic and lg the companies that are providing them 2170s are going to start using the 4680 form factor so i don't know if that's just going to be their cell chemistry in you know a new form factor obviously they probably have to use the tablets and some other kind of tesla innovations but whatever form that takes they're going to have those cells uh as well starting in 2023 so i think it you know it makes a lot of sense to commit to the structural pack architecture um i don't think cells are their constraint honestly anymore it's really all this other supply chain stuff that's going on in that's kind of a turning point and really what battery day was all about. Yeah. So taking next caller, uh, Gary, how you doing? Gary. Hey guys. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm going to shift gears 
uh, away from 4680 for a bit here. Um, there's a persistent rumor that came out first that I heard was in August, then October, then late December, then this past week that um, BYD would be supplying blade batteries to uh, Tesla uh, China. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me because you, um, even though it would, uh, you know, would supply, would, I guess, offer more um, batteries, uh, it, I, I don't know how blade batteries can, can, can be incorporated into uh, Model 3s uh, in China, uh, do, 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 have you heard anything or any thoughts on this? No, I haven't heard anything. I've been following that rumor, rumor as well, and I, I, I too find it a little hard to believe. Um, I, you know, I think Tesla has a whole list of great suppliers that they're working with that they would rather get it from. Um, and we really haven't heard the rumor from like a really, really good source that we we could just say, yeah, that's definitely happening. Um, it's sort of been sketchy reports here and there, so I, I would be surprised if that happened. But you know, I could be wrong. We're, we're talking the, the blade, blade battery here, right? Sorry, not the. We're talking the blade. Yeah, the not the, yeah. the actual prismatic standard because those are already being put into Model Ys and Model Threes. Yeah, I mean, I think generally you hear these rumors sometimes circulated by the company themselves because they want to create the impression in the market that BYD Blade is the best. And they go, oh, even Tesla is talking to them about using the BYD Blade because it's so good. Now, Tesla doesn't give a shit, really, who supplies the battery. They just want to make cars. So if you can deliver quality product and volume, whether you're Panasonic, LG, CATL, whatever, that's fine. And if they felt they didn't have adequate supply from their existing suppliers and their own production, they, you know, could add on BYD as an LFP supplier. I don't necessarily know about the blade or the details of that, but they, you know, they do make a ton of LFP batteries, but it seems like CATL has them pretty well covered and is setting up additional uh, production near Shanghai. So, uh, you know, unless they make an official announcement, I wouldn't put rumors like that. Yeah, it's just that you know, um, I often go into the uh, the Twitter space with the uh, the China um, EV people there, and they've kind of uh, been, I guess, um, I wouldn't say bullish, but they've 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 sort of given credence to the possibility. So I don't know. Um, regardless, it's kind of a moot point. Um, I guess my second question also not 4680 but uh, more blue sky thinking of um do you think there's some sort of uh, tesla skunk works working on solid state that is really kind of deep deep um i i have no evidence of that but i will say they're working on other exciting things beyond 4680 but i'll leave it at that great Thanks a lot, Gary. Ricky, again, you're up. It's just my objective to keep you guys talking so I don't have an excuse <laughs> to watch the Super Bowl. Um, no, so uh, back to the 4680. Um, I, it's something I do almost every day just because my delivery is coming up. I 
feel like there's a gap in the Model Y performance. And my idea comes around the idea of they already do 2170s at Fremont. So why don't you just stick that to a specific car? And that is the the OG um, Model Y. And then the 4680, you delay it long enough where you're doing um, only 4680s at the beginning. And the reason I say that is because I had my car on hold and then I took it off in January and suddenly they moved it to March. And if I order a car right now, it says the delivery date is the exact same date for the Model Y performance. Um, and the reason that I'm thinking that is because then you have a specification between the two where somebody paid a lot more for that 4680 structural battery pack. The only thing you would need is a delay in time. And I would love to know if anybody is taking a delivery of Model Y performance in the next three weeks, because if they are, I would be surprised because I got that, that there's this huge lag. I've been like monitoring this every day, but there's a huge lag between like the first week of January and then March of the delivery of Model Y performance. So they're all right now saying March. And if you look at the long range Model Y, Depending on your specification, like if you get the the gray paint or something like that, you might get it a little bit later. But if you go with the red, you might get it in August. It's anywhere from August to December. But that Model Y performance has not changed. It's stuck on like end of March. So there there is there's this gap there, and I would I would just love to know if anybody's taking delivery in the next few weeks of Model Y performance. Anyway. <laughs> Well, tweet it out. It's probably the easiest way. Yeah. I don't get a lot of attention like you guys, so you might. I'll, I'll retweet it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, I thought I, I gave out the idea of Tesla doing, you know, if they were to make a car first out of Texas, it would be, you know, Plaid Model Y with the carbon-wrapped rotors, or the motors, um, and if they were to price it, you know, ten to fifteen grand higher than the performance Model Y right now, and maybe throw in some nicer interior materials, it would still be fifty grand cheaper than you know, like the Model X Plaid. So I think there would be a market for it. Um, I know some people saying, you know, there's no point keep the Plaid to like the higher end, you know, Halo vehicles, and you know, I get that point too. But I don't know. I, you know, of course, like ninety, ninety-five grand or whatever it would cost would be a whole lot for a Model Y, but. I think it'd still be sweet. Yeah, Plaid is basically uh, a branding of higher performance and yeah. luxury. That's all it is. It's, mm-hmm. And it, if you can offer that by, you know, like hardware-wise, like 4680 structural pack and, uh, like you said, carbon rotors and, you know, maybe ventilated seats or, you know, adding some, you know, better materials and things like that. Yeah, that that, that could be a way of doing it. Um, but I don't know, maybe they're like, why wouldn't they have already announced it? Like poor, uh, poor Ricky here. He maybe would have wanted to order that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it doesn't make sense on that level that March he's, he's going to get like an Austin made, uh, model Y performance and not have that, and then a month later, well, there's this whole new category which has, like, the same battery pack. Again, like, I think they're going to just go with same same specs and everything, and, you know, they're not they're not going to be playing, like, these complicated tricks and of logistics and things like that. That's not 
Well, I don't think you really need to have different specs. I mean, on the Model Y Performance, you're obviously going with less range but better performance. And if you have the 4680 pack, it's a lighter car. Am I correct in that? Yeah, yeah, but like, why wouldn't you, like, if they're going to come out with a Model Y Plaid, which is even better than the performance, you would want to, like, stack orders for end of March, let's say, because that's when you're beginning to deliver them. And you know they're going to be low volume, and this is just perfect for ramping both 4680 and the production of this new car. And that would have made a good strategy, but you should have started taking orders back in, you know, December, or something like that, saying, you know, and when you place your order, it's delivery end of March or something like that. Ooh, another another way to test this out would be is any Model Y performance has been delivered from Fremont lately. You could, like, probably catch that in the drones, right? Yeah, it's, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's overcomplicating. I know. The, I, I just got to have the, my The strategy, like, Tesla right? is, like, so about <laughs> simplifying uh, the the supply chain and and everything it's it's just you know I think you if you follow a little bit Monroe like the 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 battery management system and everything like they started to use like pieces from the Y in in the Plaid and you know it's about simplifying things and you can get more out of stuff uh, with with just software so I I, I think this is where they're going to basically just limit. Um, the 4680 and there'll be a transition at some point has like there's been like since the beginning of tesla where you know cars get like lighter and better range and this and that and you know uh, but the 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 normal customer basically goes on the website looks at what it gets for for how much they're willing to pay and they make a choice based on that not on like what technology is under the hood I got you. I think that's that's the Tesla way, basically. All right, so we've been going for an hour and a half, and I still still got a lot of people here, but if there's no more questions. Uh, I'm gonna thank Sawyer and Omar from for joining uh, for joining me on this little episode. And yeah, thank you. Any, any closing I comments? I have a prediction that we'll, we won't see. We'll only see electric vehicle commercials from all auto companies in the Super Bowl. I'm going to predict <laughs> that we won't see any ICE <laughs> commercials. And uh, we'll see. Just, that, yep. just advertisements, not cars. Like, or production. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. And Thanks, I Alex. predict there will be no Tesla ads. Ooh, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe McDonald's. No, no. Imagine they just... Imagine they just fucking roll out the Cybertruck during halftime show on the stage. <laughs> That'd be sweet. Or basically an advertising saying that Mary Barra and GM are leading. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Catch you later. Yep. Happy Super Bowl for those who are into that. <laughs>